fear is is it's a big big hurdle, but I think it's necessary to accomplish your goals because it's going to push you. You you just can't let it break you. That's the problem. Is a lot of people let it just cripple them. Right. And that goes back to the weight room. Is like it takes a lot of courage to get under a barbell. It, it really does. You know, it's not just lifting, but like I'll, I'll be honest. Every time I have 700 plus on a bar for a squat, I'm terrified of it. I bet. Yeah. But I'm not going to let it defeat me. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Cubicle Athlete. This is Derek. I recorded this episode with an old friend of mine, Ken Morris. He's a coach, and he owns Limitless Strength and Conditioning, which is a gym in Deerfield Beach, Florida. He's also a powerlifter who was formerly ranked fourth in the nation, and he says he's on the path to beating that. He also happens to have the highest powerlifting total in the state of Florida, and he's undefeated in all of the state's championships. So without further ado, here's Ken Morris. So, um, cool. So, yeah, we're recording. Uh, we were just chatting up for like 10, 15 minutes or so. And, um, yeah, I think uh, you're the perfect guest for this this podcast because... I mean, A, I don't know a lot about powerlifting, but B, what I do know about it, I think it fits so well into uh, my interests and what I'm trying to do with this podcast, because it, it seems like things like sports psychology or performance psychology, whatever you would call it, it seems like that's such a big element of powerlifting, almost more so than a lot of other sports, I would think. Um, I'd love to hear your ideas on that. Before I get too ahead of myself, I, I know the goal here was to get kind of get you to start on who you are and uh, how you got started and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, I, you know, I grew up playing baseball when I was younger. Um, I've always been involved in sports. My grandfather was always a huge influence on me. He was all about pushing to be your best all the time. And back then, I didn't really understand it because I was young, you know, and what does that mean to a 12-year-old? Sure. So I kind of, you know, I played baseball, I played basketball, I played hockey, I played a little bit of everything. Um, I was always a shy kid. When I got into high school, 10th grade, some of the guys that played football came up to me and, oh, try out for the team, try out for the team. All right. All right. You know, I didn't know any better. And I ended up, you know, getting into football and it, it kind of brought me out of my shell. But I found quick that it wasn't football I loved. It was actually the training part of it in the weight room and the camaraderie with the team and everything else is what I really loved about it. Um, so I played football through senior year. I got hurt. I tore my hip flexor, which kind of devastated me and threw me into a, kind of a weird spiral afterwards. So I graduated. I ended up going to automotive school for two years to work on cars because I didn't know what I wanted to do. Didn't like it. Then I went back to FAU, or I went to FAU to do normal classes to go to college. And there was always that consistent of, of the, the weight room was always there for me. So, so when I was at FAU, I was like, I, I walked onto the football team, I played football, and then I got into the exercise science program. And that, I kind of found my niche. Like, yeah. that was my thing. I loved it. I, I'm not a school person, but that was everything to me. Sure. Real so quick, then I ended up when, getting, when, when you say the, the weight room was always there for you, do you mean that in like a therapeutic sense? Like there was something there that you just, you know, like maybe you, you didn't. I really, had to lift. Yeah. It was okay. the one consistent in my life. And it was like the one thing that no matter what was going on, like bad day at work, I'm going to the weight room to take it out on some weights. Sure. Let me, let me go lift. 
it was the one thing that kept my mind right. Yeah. It always took me back to a better place. Right. If that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, do you think that was kind of like, uh, it allowed you to release some like aggression or do you think it was like just a structure that you had a routine that like kind of kept, you know, were you lacking structure outside of there, but in the gym, there was some structure. Well, I first, when I was younger, it used to be a very like anger release. Got it. Kind of like have a bad day. I'd go hit the gym. Yeah. yeah. But it, the thing is, is no matter how I went in, I always came out the same, yeah. like more relaxed and, and happier. And just like, you know, everything else went away yeah. after I left the gym. Um, so yeah, after I graduated exercise science, I went to uh, University of Florida to coach strength and conditioning. I worked with I was mainly football, softball, and women's basketball. We ended up uh, going to the national championship with softball, and we lost, unfortunately. But <laughs> I'm yeah. still a little bitter about it. <laughs> <laughs> so I spent about two years there, and then I went to University of Toledo to coach football only. We uh, we won a military bowl. Got a nice shiny ring for that. That was exciting. Um, I'm from Florida, so living in Toledo, Ohio, was pretty rough on me with the the weather and the snow and everything else. Um, so a little uh, different up there. Yeah, yeah, for so sure. So I ended up, you know, all my family's down here in Florida, so I ended up moving home. And my mom actually put the idea in my head. She's like, "You always wanted your own gym. Why don't you go do it?" And I'm like, "You know, maybe maybe you're right." You know, I was kind of lost when I left. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I had some opportunities at other uh, other schools, but the strength conditioning world's very it's very uh there's not a lot of job security. Yeah. You know, I, I learned that very fast too. So it's just I like moved a- down here. I have I have my gym now. Limitless strength conditioning. Owned it for eight years, and it's uh, it's the best thing I've ever done. Yeah, it seems to uh, just having, you know, being friends with you on social media and always seeing your your videos, it seems like in those eight years, even though you and I haven't spoken much, seen everything you post, and it seems like it's growing quite a bit in those eight years. Growing every year, yep. Yeah. What was the origin of that gym? What did it look like compared to what it looks like now today? I had one one power rack. I had one power rack. I had some some beat up bars and some old weights and some old dumbbells that I found off Craigslist. It didn't look like much. You know, I barely, I, we had these like thin rubber flooring, nothing special. Just, I just had a dream and I went out there and got it, you know? Yeah. You know, people doubted me and unfortunately opening a business, you find out real quick who in your life is, you know, going to support you. And I learned that quick and I've kind of, separated myself from a lot of people because they didn't support me. If you tell me I can't do something, I'm not going to be around you. Right. Cause you hear that a lot. And I, I'm wondering if that's the way you experienced it. If, I mean, is it because you're the sacrifices you have to make? So you can't hang out with those friends or those people. So it's like, they see it as a, like, Oh, look at this guy trying something new or, or hard. And they're not doing that. Yep. You know? So it's like a jealousy type thing. There's a, there's a talk on, on YouTube. It's Kobe Bryant and Nick Saban. And they sit down and talk. And Kobe put it the best I've ever heard it. He says, you know, my friends, when I was younger, used to get mad at me. And, you know, they wanted me to go to the mall. and They wanted me to hang out. And I'd say, no, I have to go practice. And then Nick Saban 
gets into how people say, you know, playing at Alabama is no fun. You know, oh, they're tough there. Alabama's no fun. And Kobe goes, what's more fun than being the best? Right. And I look at that. That hit me so hard. Because it's yeah. so true. It's like you have to make it's, – it's huge sacrifices. You right. know, I, I work a lot. You know, even to this day, eight years I've been grinding. I get home at – you know, I, I get off at like 9 o'clock, train my last person, and then I train myself at night. So I don't get home till maybe 11, 11.30 some nights, and then I'm back in the gym early in the morning. Yeah. But I wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, that passion's been in you for so long. It would be a harder sacrifice if you were doing that at some computer job where you're... you're I couldn't do it. No right. Way. Yeah, because I think that's where those friends who are getting jealous or they're, they're, they're doubting you because there's not necessarily a goal that they're striving for there. And maybe that's not to yep. their fault. You know, like maybe there's something there. They, they got stuck in some pattern that a lot of people get stuck in. And they just kind of miss that path or trajectory that they should be on. And they just don't know that they could or, you know. Um, so I think that's where that, that comes from, I would think. Well, you know what, I, you know, you know what I've seen? I've seen with a lot of people. It, 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 it kind of kills me because it's, it's sad to watch people hold themselves back because of society and everything else. People are afraid of passion. They're afraid yeah. to express themselves. People are afraid to be excited about things nowadays. Yeah. You know, like people, you know, obviously you hear, you know, people think I'm obsessed, you know, oh, you're obsessed with your business. You're obsessed with powerlifting. You're obsessed with your life. Yeah, I am because I love it. It's my <laughs> yeah. passion. So why would I not be obsessed with that? You right. know what I mean? Like I, I love it to death. It makes me happy. And yeah. in doing so, I can make other people happy with what I do. It's infectious. So kind of like, yeah, that's what I try to bring to, you know, my gym and everything. And in, in my life is I try to be that that voice that says when people are saying no you can't you know don't do that don't do this oh i don't think that's gonna work blah 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 bs you go do what you want to do go do what you're passionate about don't be afraid well i think that's what's so important about a gym like yours being ran by a guy like you speaking the way you're speaking now is like how infectious it is it's so much more and so much bigger than lifting weights the lifting weights aspect, from my perspective, is almost the metaphor to everything, right? Like it's because yep. people could look at some runt lifting crazy ass weights like, oh, he's a meathead and almost like belittle that pursuit. A, they don't know what the hell the sport is, yeah. the, the effort and the, like how many benefits comes from it. I think they, they really miss that, that just the, the metaphor for it, I, I think. Cause I mean, this is coming from a guy, oh, yeah. who's, this is coming from a guy who's, who's guilty of that. Like I, I've had a 24 hour gym membership for, you know, the last 10 years. Like I'm not in a gym like yours. And I know for a fact how much, like, I mean, I don't know how much, but I know I would benefit tremendously from a gym like yours because just because of because what I just heard you say just for the last five minutes. It's life changing. It's life changing. It is. And you yeah. know, you know, it's not, this is not me promoting my gym. I just know what, you know, I knew the effect I had on athletes when I was coaching in Florida and Toledo. Like yeah. I, I saw the, the effect I had on them because, you know, to everybody else, they're just football players, softball players, basketball players. They're on the team. You know what I mean? Oh, look at that. They, you know, they're Gators. That's great. But like people forget that they're human beings. Yeah. And like most of them are not going to have be go pro and stuff like that. 
you have to teach them. That's why I love coaching in college. I wouldn't have went to the pros. Because I love teaching that growth in the younger people like that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, teaching them to be better people through the weight room, you know, and it's not about lifting weights. And I mean, my gym is, is people, I've had many people tell me that my gym has saved their lives. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure they don't say yeah. that lightly. I'm sure they quite literally mean that. They, no, they quite, yeah. I can think of three guys on the top of my head that that will tell you anytime you ask them about limitless, they'll say that save my life. Yeah. Now do you, um, I mean, you don't have to say names and specifics, but I'm wondering if that's like, a were they, uh, like in drugs, is it depression, just lacking direction, uh, suicidal thoughts. And then they just like find themselves. A little bit of everything. Yeah. 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 And they find themselves in your gym and they're able to apply what they learn, literally what they learn of just, just lifting weights, uh, being able to apply those, those lessons that they learn in such a, a, a simplistic context, it gives you this new perspective of I'm not doing what I should be doing, or maybe I'm in the right area. I'm just not putting in the work I should be putting in. I'm phoning it in. I go home and I'm just playing video games. I'm having a few beers every night. Yeah. And just at least I could speak on this from my perspective, as I know uh, I was telling you before we started recording how when I started playing hockey, it kind of woke something up in me. And I was like, yeah, I, I, I want to do better in the gym. I want to eat better. I want to sleep better. I want to be, you know, just, I, I want to perform better on the ice. And it sounds so weird to say to somebody as a 33 year old man, I want to just be a better hockey player, but it just, what it means to me is no, I want to be better at every, look what it's making me do. It's making me eat healthier, yep. it's making me sleep better. It's making me you know, want to be a better man overall. And it's, it's gone into my marriage. Like I, I've been so like focused on just improving all aspects. I really, really do attribute a big portion of that to just playing hockey. So I'm sure those three yeah. guys that you're talking about experience something very, very similar. And it, well, here's, here's how I look at the effects of, training at, especially at a gym like mine, because we're very small. So it's like, a, it's a very tight knit community. So that gives them, you know, that gives people that sense of community. They're a part of something, right? You know, it's not just people don't just walk into my gym, get on a machine and just work out. You come right. in my gym, no matter who's in there, professional athlete to nine year old kid, everybody says hello to each other. Everybody's like high five and hugging each other going crazy for each other when everybody's lifting. So that right there is going to empower people. Yeah. That's you know? big. And then I'm very particular with technique, you know, and, and I have my certain, like we're very, very big on the basics, but a lot of people can't even do that. So when you can coach them and show them, Hey, you can do this. That shows them that they can do anything if they work at it. Right out, you know, I'm not saying in the gym. I'm saying outside the gym. So I have a kid. I had a kid. He he was he's probably, I think he's like 32. So he was like working some dead end job, right? And he was so afraid to like leave and and go do what he wanted to do. No. And after like a year of training with me, we sat down and I talked to him and I was like, "Listen, man, if you're not happy, go do what you need to do." And now the guy has a great job and is loving his life. To me, that's the biggest reward I can get out of what I do. Right, right. I got a question. So about that specific person, is he still training at your gym? Yeah. Once he made that change, he went for his, his dream job, his new goals. 
did you notice something differently and just the uh, I'm sure you noticed something differently in his personality and the way he carries himself, but just specifically how he lifts did it like did he start getting a lot better? Did he start lifting of course yeah 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 he competed with us, I mean with the team and everything else, and he wasn't really into powerlifting, so to say he just wanted to just try it, yeah, so you know and i'm and I'm all for that. I'm not going to tell somebody to no. know. You know, go do it. It's, that's that's the beauty of powerlifting too. Is like, you don't have to be the strongest person on earth to get involved in it. Right. The reason why I had asked that question because it, it just seems, and what we touched on before recording was that just sports psychology, how big you are on that, and how interested I am in it as well. And it just seems that he had a strong fear of the unknown, or a strong fear of change as well could be the wrong decision it could be a change that just makes things worse in my life also could be scared you know there, there could be a number of fears that were at play there but once he took the leap which that leap really is the 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 opposite of fear is faith to have faith in yourself and once he found that and you helped him find that it seems like that's why I was asking did he start lifting more like heavier did he start performing better at his sport because I feel like that's the big thing about sports psychology, the, the fear that people have in their lives, it stops them from performing. And whether it's sports or, it, it, or anything. It cripples them. Yeah, yeah. It cripples them. Fear is, is it's a big, big hurdle, but I think it's necessary to accomplish your goals because it's going to push you. you. You just can't let it break you. That's the problem. There's a lot of people let it just cripple them. Right. And that goes back to the weight room. It's like it takes a lot of courage to get under a barbell. It really does. You know, it's not just lifting, but like, I'll, I'll be honest. Every time I have 700 plus on a bar for a squat, I'm terrified of it. I bet. Yeah. But I'm not going to let it defeat me. You know what I mean? That's, that's the difference is I'm not going to get under there and let that fear consume me. I'm going to overcome it. And that's how I think when I'm under that bar. Yeah. You just uh, reminded me of, um, I don't know if you know the MMA fighter, George St. Pierre, GSP. Of course. Yeah. He was always my favorite fighter, not just because I'm also French-Canadian, but uh, <laughs> it was just his, obviously, you know, one of the greatest pound-for-pound pound fighters uh, ever in MMA, but he was so honest, and he always talked about his fear, that how, like, I mean, before so many of his fights, when he would be in the locker room 20 minutes before his fights, he, uh, there, there were many circumstances or many uh, times where he was almost like cowering away, like balled up, like pleading his, his trainers, like, no, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. Moments before the fight. Yeah. And it, he was just so scared. And the, it wasn't a, a fear of failure. It wasn't a fear of losing. or It was always a fear of what other people might think. And he's very open about that. I think that's one of the biggest fears that a lot of us deal with. What are other people going to say? It holds so many people back. And if he didn't have some of his trainers there, it could have held him back to walking out to every one of his fights where he could just completely demolished all his opponents. But he talks about as he would approach the ring, that fear would start to kind of dissipate. And then once that bell rang and he started to fight, he was in his element. He was confident. He knew, you know, like it just kind of went away. So I would imagine there's some parallels there with what you just said with, you know, that 700, however, 700 plus pounds on that bar. It's like, oh man, this thing could crush me you know it's a lot of weight yep. <laughs> but uh yeah. but i yeah i have to imagine as you're in that moment there's something that confidence maybe the fear starts to dissipate and you're just in your element yeah and i mean that's 
I'm only talking about fear in the gym with that kind of stuff too. I mean, com- getting into competition with that is completely different. The difference with powerlifting is once you go out to the platform, it's just you out there. Your coaches right. are in the back. You know, they can like kind of yell things at you from behind you, but they're not there with you. Your training partners aren't there with you. You know, you're, you're on different equipment. So you're, it's just you, three judges around you, and then the crowd. So you want to talk about like the fear of what people think. You go out there and you're like, I hope I don't fail this lift, <laughs> you know, like, or mess this up. You just it, it, painting it, that picture gave me anxiety. It, it, it's <laughs> a lot, especially in nationals. Cause I mean, with USA powerlifting now, I mean, the national competitions have gotten huge. I mean, we have like wall size LED screens behind you with like, you know, they got your bio up there. They got like you lifting up there. It's nuts. So all yeah. that's going on behind you. It's just you, this little person on this massive stage with all these people watching you. Yeah. It, it's, it takes a lot. It, it takes a lot to get out there. But I mean, once you do it, just like anything, you, you know, you find the confidence to do it and you get better and you get used to it. I'm not going to yeah. let fear, like, I'm not going to not go out there because I'm scared. Right. I think that's where uh, both of our interests in sports psychology, it's really at play there if we could dig a little deeper into that, not letting that fear stop you, like you're still going to go. Can you walk me through that? Are you doing any like mantra in your head? Are you doing some positive affirmations of some sort? Are you the night before? Are you doing things like that? What's the preparation look like for that? I'll go. Yeah. I'll go, I'll go through everything with, since a lot of, I mean, a lot of people don't know powerlifting that well. So yeah, I kind of go through uh, raw nationals was in October in Chicago. So now I'm in a different state doing this. I got there four days before I competed because I'm not going to get there. I'm not going to fly and then step on and start lifting. So what I do is I got there. I had to coach one of my other guys the first day. So once I got that done with, I went to the gym and just did a light, like a light training day. I had, I had two more lifting days left before the meet. Nothing heavy. It's just kind of get moving. I call it grooving it, you know, finding my groove. Right. So you know, I, the whole time I'm there, it's, it's pretty, it, it's, you have to be focused, but I also can't be too into it where it wears me down mentally. So I have to be positive. I kind of go through, you know, all right, these are my numbers. Cause in powerlifting, you, you, you get three attempts at each lift. Not bench deadlift. You get three attempts at each. Um, you cannot go down and wait. So if, if I, oh, if I started too heavy, and I failed it, I, I got to stay at that weight or I have to go up. I can't go down. So oh, you, it's, wow. it's, it's a game you have to play, especially at the national level, when you're actually competing against a bunch of other guys, you know, so you have to pick your numbers. And so me and my coaches will go through scenarios of like, all right, if, if I have to do this, you know, we'll take this number, we'll take this amount of pounds, or we can go here or we can go here. So we kind of go through all that leading into it and then two days before i'll go watch the competition i'll go watch the it's usually lighter guys i'm a super heavyweight so i go watch the lighter guys so i'll sit and watch them and i'll kind of put my mind into the competition you know and and structure in my head like i'm actually competing and then you're you're visualizing kind of I'm, i'm assuming visualizing you succeeding you in there and, and yeah 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 got it and just getting a feel for the, the the progression of it of how how the meet's gonna run 
you know, how the competition is going to go. All this is happening while I have to focus on my eating. I have to maintain my weight. It's kind of crazy. It gets nuts. Because you, um, you weigh in before a competition, right? Yeah, two, two hours before you have to weigh in. Yep. I'm a super heavyweight, though, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> so you're, you're not doing but a weight cut or, or anything like that? No, but my, my big problem is I'm 320 pounds now, but I'm not a natural big guy. Right. So it's hard for me to maintain my weight. Got it. So my big thing is, is I have to make sure my weight is up because I'll lose weight like crazy. So, I mean, I'm eating all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah, it's, not, it's insane. <laughs> we, well, well, real quick, when I met you, we were both in high school. And I remember we used to go to the LA Fitness on, on university. You were maybe 20 pounds heavier than me, maybe 25. Yeah. I don't know. And now you're probably, I don't know, you're like you're 320? 320, yeah. Yeah, so you're, you're <laughs> you got a lot, lot bigger and a lot stronger than I did in the last 15 years. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean... Yeah. I just, I just immersed myself in it though. I just, once I, yeah. once I started competing in 2009, I just was hooked. Cause I think I, I was probably 16 or 17 when I met you. And I think I lifted heavier weights then than I do today. So that goes to, really? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you, I mean, I don't know what you were lifting then, but your numbers are obviously, uh, I yeah, don't know. I really remember then. Yeah. 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 Okay. Sorry. Yeah. I had to interject there. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. No, but so yeah, so the night before competition, I, you know, I'm focused on my eating and keeping my weight. I'm basically fueling myself. That's when I really start getting into like the date. It's not the night before the meet, really. It's more the day of. I kind of start visualizing and start playing how I'm going to go about this, not just with my lifts, but like the situations that can arise of competing against all these other guys of how I'm going to play the game, I call it with my numbers in competition like that in the big stages it's not always who can lift the most it's who plays their attempts correctly because right. if you go too heavy and fail you could end up leaving 50 pounds off your total they take your best lift from each so squat bench deadlift and you get your total and then they use your total that's what you you win by right and i've seen guys take massive squat attempts and massive jumps they go from like 600 to 680 and then they fail at 680, they just left 80 pounds off their total. Right. Instead of maybe going 650 and getting it, and then that's 50 pounds on their total instead of losing 80. Oh, wow. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. So I didn't, I, yeah, I didn't know that. That's wild. Yeah, it's, it's a game when, you're, when you have like that. So the I, local meets are not, not the same. Local but, meets I use as kind of practice. Got it. Got it. But I, so those numbers that you're going in there for those three lifts, do you know pretty far in advance what they're going to be? Or are you, are you playing with them leading up to it? Like a I couple? know I, I can tell you what I want to do at this coming nationals in that in October. Got so it. That's, that's how far out that I start visualizing like what I'm going to lift. Yeah. So this Go might ahead. be a, I don't know if this is a good question, but I'm going to try it anyways. So there's something, uh, uh, a saying in archery or in marksmanship with a uh, aim small, miss small. You ever heard of that? Yeah. Where, yeah. Yeah. So like when you, you don't aim for the bullseye on the target, what you do aim for is that like maybe a little hair that's at the dead center of it. Like you really laser focus on that and aim for that specifically. And the idea is, you know, as opposed to, if you were to aim for a much bigger target, wherever you miss, yeah, 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 
So I know, I know in hockey, I like, well, I always try the same thing when I'm taking a shot and I see an opening over the goalie's glove, upper left corner. I'm not aiming just for the upper left corner. I'm aiming for like a piece of the netting. Yeah. So I'm wondering if, there, if there's something like that, like an aim high, miss high, like you have your numbers and this is good. Again, this is why I don't know if this is a good question. You know, if your ultimate goal, let's say in the grand scheme of things is hitting that 2000 pound club, I think they call it. Um, total. Yeah. The total. Yeah. It, it, do you do something in your head where like, that's not the goal. 3000 is the goal. Like this crazy aim high type deal. Like I'm going for 3000. I know it's impossible, but is there anything like that going on or here's how I look at like, it, it's kind of similar. I, I won't ever say like, Oh, I'm going to go for a 3000 total. To me, that doesn't work for me. You know I what I mean? That, that doesn't, because first of all, it has to be something attainable and, and that's not, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, three thousand. I know that's not going to happen. So here's how I look at things. So I'm going to go back in my career and powerlifting a little bit to explain this because this is the best. I always tell this story. So when I was trying to squat six hundred pounds, I failed it probably ten competitions in a row. I kept failing it, and I just could not figure it out. And I'm like, what's going on here? Yeah, you know, it was getting frustrating. I mean, I, it was driving me crazy because I was deadlifting over seven hundred. I was benching almost uh, about mid fours like 450s and my squat was killing me it was killing my total yeah so i'm 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 going crazy here like i'm like i'm like i can't i don't know what to do so what i kind of learned instead of taking 600 on the last attempt like i was doing i said i'm going to take my first attempt and i'm going right to it and i'm going to make 600 not a big deal anymore yeah so that's how I looked at it. And then that the meat that I squatted 600, I also squatted 617. Oh, wow. So I squatted, you know, almost 20 pounds more than that. Right. Because it wasn't a thing anymore. I didn't, and it goes back to the fear again. I wasn't afraid of 600 anymore. Yeah. I kept building it up to putting it on this pedestal that it was this big thing, you know, and, and it was killing me. So it, yeah, I was going to say, so it wasn't that your body wasn't physically capable of lifting that weight. It was literally your, your mind that was, yeah, I was psyching myself out and I was putting so much pressure on myself to do it when it came competition time. I couldn't hit it. Yeah. I could not do it. And I did it and I did do it in the gym. I did it multiple times in the gym. I was going to ask that. that. That's what I did. I, so I, one thing I don't understand about the sport or don't know about the sport is when you're doing those let's say like a record breaking lift or have you done that weight before? Or is that the first time it's happening? Sometimes the biggest misconception with my sport, people think we lift heavy constantly and right. we don't At, like after a competition, like I'm, I'm going to compete in July and then I'm going to start prepping for nationals in October, but I'm not going to come out of that meet and just throw seven, seven fifty on my back and start picking up 700 pounds off the floor. I'm going to go into like more of a bodybuilding style training. You know, I'm still going to do my power lifts, but they're not going to be nearly as heavy. Right. People think we're always maxing out all the time. And honestly, that was one of the biggest mistakes I made early in my career. All I did was lift heavy and it killed me. Yeah. Was it, so now, you was know, it like you're just your I, joints and shit like it. Yeah. Not- and mentally, because it's like, I mean, it, it's a mental, it's, my powerlifting is more mental than it is physical in my opinion yeah to be able to get under those kind of weights and then to train like that all the time i mean 
like when I go in for a big deadlift, when I when I know I have a big deadlift coming up in the gym, you know, like my last, it's my last big deadlift session. My mind is on that deadlift for probably two weeks. And I'm just thinking about it. I'm going to hit this. I am going to get this. This is my lift. This is what you've been waiting for. So it's, it's a big mental thing. That's why it drives me crazy when people are like, Oh, you just lift weights. (laughs) (laughs) They don't understand. Right. Right. Yeah, I think I, I kind of veered you off track on what you were originally talking about there. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, so I think you were, you're talking about when you're at those meets, I think four days out, you, you get there. Two days out, you're watching people compete. You're putting yourself in those positions. You're kind of visualizing yourself uh, lifting that weight. And from there, I think I kind of cut you off. Yeah, so the day before the, day before the big meet, is I'm relaxing. I stay away from the venue. You know, I'll either stay in my hotel room or, you know, we'll go out for breakfast and lunch. So I stay away from everything the day before. You're not, I don't li- wanna, you're I don't not lifting get... a thing the day before. No, and I stay away from the – I don't watch the competition either. Yeah. I, I don't want to see anybody. I don't want to see anything. I don't want to talk about it. I just focus. It's more like – it's almost like relaxing and letting this buildup happen. You know, instead of being built up and then – falling apart the day of the meet yeah i don't want to be too excited so i call you know it's more calm and and you know all right this is what's going to happen and then i'll wake up in the morning and when i wake up i'm a different person you wouldn't even recognize me on on competition day i'm so locked in and my guy like my my coaches and whoever handles me in the back like of of the meet they they know they know that if I'm not talking to them or if I get a little snappy with them or something like that, they know it's just, this is how I am with competing. Yeah. Because it's, it's such a mental toll to get out there and overcome that. I mean, that, that first squat, that's your first lift of the, of the competition. It's terrifying going out there. When, when well, you're, and, and, go ahead. I was going to ask when you're in that day of competition, when you're in that state of mind and, and is it, organically happening or are you putting a lot of effort into not allowing distractions like is it taking effort for you to do that because it sounds difficult to me like that'd be hard for me to do so are you putting effort into like dude don't talk to me like or is it just kind of an organic thing that happens for you because you know that competition is hours away and you just is that question making it's sense a little, <laughs> it's a little bit of, it's a little bit of both no it makes sense it's, yeah. it's a little bit of both i mean I'm not sitting there like, I gotta, I gotta be intense. I gotta be intense. You know right. what I mean? I don't, I don't think that it's just, my mind goes to a different place. It's like, this is time. And this is the, the thing with powerlifting is like you work for months all for one moment. Yeah. You know, you get, you get all for nine lifts. So maybe three, it takes maybe three hours, four hours, you know, to get through all nine lifts. But like you train for months and when you're training, all you're thinking about is I got to hit this number in competition. I got to hit this. I got to do this in competition. So now all that is coming, you know, into play and it's all coming to a head. So now it's like, I'm locked in. Let's go. You know what I mean? Right. So like, get out of my way. Right. I have a video. I have a, actually, there's a video. I think it's on my Instagram. So when they load the bar, they say the bar's loaded. And that means you, you go out there and you can do your lift. So, like, I'm so locked in that they did that for a deadlift. They, so they load it, and I'm, I'm, I'm in my zone. The announcer goes, the bar's loaded. <laughs> for 10, you know, 10 more. Here we go. 
And then there's like, he goes, wait, let's clean the bar off. So they, you know, the chalk and everything, they, with a heavy deadlift, they kind of clean it off a little bit so you get better grip. Uh-huh. And I'm, I'm already full steam ahead. And the poor kid <laughs> that was wiping the bar down, I, I, I like motioned him. I'm like, get the hell out of my way. <laughs> and I grabbed the bar and I just smoked it. And then the announcer's like, you see that? He just said, get out of his way. <laughs> but that's how locked in you get. It's like when they say the bar is loaded to me, it's like this switch goes off. Yeah, it kind of sounds like the GSP example I, I mentioned. Every just the chaos of leading up to it, but once that the, you know the, the cage doors close and the ref says yep, fight, go time. Yeah, there's nothing there to to stop you. There's a documentary on uh, Eddie Hall, the pro strongman. Yep. Yeah. When he deadlifted um, 1,100 pounds or whatever, I think it was 1,100 or or a thousand something. No, it was 1,100. 1,100. It's his whole mindset leading up to it. And he, he actually went to a sports psychologist for three months before it to like prepare himself for it. Right. And he was explaining how she put this in his head. Basically, it was a switch that like put his mind to having to save his kids that were stuck under the weight. That's where he had to go to do that. That's where he had to go mentally to do that. Yeah. That's what people don't see. And, you know, they, they think it's just lifting weights, but it's, yeah. It's so much more. That sounds like hypnosis almost. You literally have to think this is happening while you're, you're lifting that weight. But I'm uh-huh. wondering if someone at that level that's so elite in the sport, are there mental hurdles? Are there those same fears that say, you know, someone like me experiences like the fear of what other people thinking? Or do you think someone like that is already beyond that? No, I, I don't think it's beyond it at all. It's I too think human. I think everybody... Honestly, I think I think higher level athletes might experience it more. Yeah. Because there's so much more pressure on them. Once you get to a certain level, it's like you got to perform. I've learned personally that, like, you know, when I started powerlifting, I was, you know, who who was I? I was nobody. But now, like, I go to meets in Florida to compete, and people know me. Tense here, tense here. We're gonna get a show. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so now, I, even with that, I have so much more pressure on me. I have to perform. I have to perform. I have to perform. You know, right. now it's like all eyes on me. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah, it sounds like it. When you're feeling that pressure, there's all these people that know you. Do you do some kind of, uh, do you meditate? Do you do anything like that? No, I just kind of get my, I'm just in my zone. I just focus. Yeah. I'm big on like, this, this might sound weird, but there's a lot of things I like. There's, there's moments and things that I watch and see that I grab onto. If I watch a movie and something gets me like hype, I, I grab onto it. This is how I explain where my mind goes when I'm about to lift because it's the perfect like analogy for it. There's a scene in the movie Man of Steel, the Superman movie. Yeah. Where he's under the, the world engine thing that's like turn like transforming the earth and he's stuck. He raises his fist up and he like clenches it. And he starts screaming and he and he blasts off and destroys the machine. That moment that is a perfect view of where my mind is at <laughs> right before I lift. Yeah. Well, no, that doesn't sound weird at all. I mean, you're, you're drawing inspiration from something that may be fictional, but you're kind of making it a reality in your head. You know, you're, you're, I can see how that applies. It, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. I lift, when I lift weights, everybody's like, oh, what do you, what do you listen to? What do you listen to? You know, music-wise, you listen to like death metal. I'm like, no. I'm like, when I go for a big lift, I put on, I put on soundtracks. I put on like movie soundtracks. <laughs> Oh, I'll that's... put on the Man of Steel soundtrack. I'll put on like 
the Avengers. <laughs> that's awesome. That's the stuff that builds me up. Right, right. Everybody's different, right? Like I'm sure there's people in your gym yep. who that just wouldn't work for them, right? Like it's Oh no, they think it's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Cuz I'm sure you do have those guys that need to put on some death metal that'll like really ramp up their heart rate or something, right? Yeah. But it's funny though because a lot of people have their particular song. So they they want the same song when they go for that big lift every time. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I find, I, yeah, I always find that interesting too. It's like because you kind of get a view into people, you know, when it, when you you find out what the what that one song is from a certain genre that gets them to that place. Yeah, and I'm wondering if if they have like a bad lift or something. Do they change the song? Like, oh, that song fucked me up. Even though I've used um, it so many times in the past, something bad happened once, and now I got to change it. Maybe it could. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure there is times when it probably could happen. So the reason why I'm thinking of that, I, I hear that a lot about hockey players in the NHL where they'll have a really bad game and like, uh, like I, I was using white stick tape. Like I'm going to black stick tape now. That game, like I oh, sucked. Yeah. You know, yeah. there, there's little things like that that I hear of hockey players doing or they'll change it. one little piece of equipment that obviously had no effect in a literal sense, I guess, but mentally there's something there that like if i make this small change hopefully it'll get me away from that bad performance i had yeah there, there's there's little things there yeah. there definitely is little things one of the big things i was taught with lifting was my coach at florida was one of the coaches of florida coach delancey I, I never forget i got under a bench press it was four i think it was 4 30 so what I, I i put my wrist wraps on i'm pacing around the weight room with my headphones on i'm trying to find my song it was like this 10 minute ordeal before I go into the lift. Right. Yeah. And I get under the bar and it staples me. I got crushed and I get off the bench and I hear, Co- I hear coach Delancey from across the way room. Dad, get over here. Stop messing around with your, with your music. When you put your wrist wraps on and you're ready to go, you go, you get under the bar and you go. And I'm like, okay. So I didn't even use my headphones. I put my wrist wraps on. I got under the bar and I got the lift Wow! after just getting stapled by it like 10 minutes before. And that left, that was what, 2010. I still think about that every time I'm in the gym, because if you sit and look at something, if I put 500 pounds on a bar for you, you know, for you personally, and I said, all right, Derek, you're going to squat this, right? Right. You're, you're probably going to think I'm crazy one, but yeah. if you sit and look at it, you're going to panic and you're going to think more and more and more and more and more, the more you look at it. Right. Right. So if I load it and you're away from the bar, you put your belt on, you get ready. And then you walk up to the bar and you get out and you just go. Yeah. Then you're not thinking about it and you're building confidence. You're just going and getting it. So that's something I've learned big time that from him. That was yeah. huge for me. Well, yeah, the overthinking of it and making it, I don't want to say making it bigger than it is, but it's something like that, right? Where it's, you're almost thinking that the moment's bigger than you and you just can't, you're not. Yeah. 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 It's uh. well, it it allows, it allows doubt. I think that's right. It It allows you to start doubting yourself. Yep. You look at that weight, you're like, Oh man. Oh, wait a minute. It's funny. I, I I haven't thought about skating in years, but I used to skate when I was a kid. I used to skateboard. I, you just made me think of this because I remember dropping into a half pipe for the first time 
you see people do it all the time where they, they sit there and wait for what could feel like hours. Like, oh, they're just so scared, so scared. Yeah. When I was a kid, I felt invincible. I was like, oh, I'll just run in there. And, you know, like zero thought. Just I would land it. Like, oh, sick. Okay. But I would yeah. find myself in those moments where I would overthink it. And I would usually fall or get hurt or like, yeah, I, I sat there and watched it for so long and, and thought about it for so long. And it just terrified me. Yeah. It's also positive thinking. If, if you have a hockey game tomorrow and you sit and be like, you know, I hope I don't miss my shots, then you're probably going to miss your shots. If you even use something like we talked about before, aim small, miss small. Right. Like if you put that in your head and like, you know, I'm going to hit every shot because of that. You probably won't hit every shot, but you're going to play better. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, I mean, a big part that helps the positive thinking that helps that good, you know, sports psychology, I guess your inner dialogue is preparation because if you didn't do the preparation, of course. So I think that's um, you really have to balance those two things. It's going to be hard to perform if all you do is think positively, but your preparation was shit. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I used to have those moments before a hockey game in my head of just like, they call it puck panic. You get the puck and you panic. God, I don't want it. Like give it to another teammate. I'm just going to yeah, yeah. pick this up. And I was like, man, I think that state of mind I get, that puck panic I get is what's messing me up. Then I also realized, well, it's also because I'm not really practicing that much with my stick handling and handling the puck. Like if I had more confidence in handling the puck, it wouldn't be so easy for me to get into that state of mind. So I need the, b- both of those things at play. I need to be prepared yep. and think better. Yeah, my, mindset's everything and then preparation's everything. But you also have to have the right mindset when you prepare. Right. You know? and it's, the same th- it's the same thing with anything. I mean, in, in business. You know, if I'm meeting with a new client and I'm like, oh, you know, I, I hope I hope they like me. Uh, I don't want to mess this up. Then I'm going to go in and, and probably have no confidence. You know, so I, even with that, even when when I meet with new clients in my gym, I'm like, you know, I, I even have a self-talk with myself then. You know, I'm like, who has your experience? Nobody's went through what you went through down here. You know what I mean? Like, like are you this saying is this you in your head or are you like, yes. yeah. Oh, I, I talk to myself all the time. You have to. Yep. You have to get those negative thoughts out. Right, right. Well, not just that you have to. Like We all do. And I think we all, for the most part, most people, really, really, it's all negative inner dialogue. We're all just shitting on ourselves all day in our heads. <laughs> yep. So there, there's a yeah. real, real skill that you need to learn. And you could probably touch on this way more than I can in, in what you do. But that's a skill that you have to acquire. Yeah, we had a, we had a at one of the conferences I went to. There was a sports psychologist, also worked with baseball players. He was saying he put a he put a toilet in the dugout for his team. He put mm. a toilet in there, and every time they'd have a negative thought, they had to write it down and throw it in the toilet. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, like during they came for they were in the dugout and they were thinking negative. They had to write it down and throw it out. You know, I, I thought it was interesting. But he also went into it, and this this is something I really believe in and not even just sports in, in life in general, if you want to like get rid of all the doubts and, and, and the negativity, it's also who you surround yourself with yeah. because a lot of people will try to hold you back from things and you don't even realize it because you and I could be in a room of 30 people right now, you know, and everybody's excited and, and, and hype. We all come in hype, right? We're all ready to go. We're going to play. We're going to go, you know, we're going to go play a hockey game, right? And we're all ready to go. And then there's one person in there that's like, 
well, guys, this is a hard team. Oh, this is going to be hard. This is going to be tough. That one person is going to infect everybody. Yeah. Because negativity is more infectious than positivity, unfortunately. Yeah. It's easier. It's the easy way, yep. Yeah. So I, I think surrounding yourself with the right people. And, and in my gym, you know, this, this my, my members know better. They, they don't bring that in there. <laughs> yeah. If you hear someone do something like that, is it a sit down? Is it a, you depends, know? Depends yeah. on the person. I mean, gotcha. I, I've, unfortunately, I've, I've kind of lost it on some people sometimes. Yeah. You know, especially before nationals last year, I had a, it was my biggest deadlift day. And there was a person in the gym. A lot of my lifters will tell people like, hey, even if you're not into powerlifting, how could you not want to support somebody lifting more than anybody has ever seen, you know, more than any of any of these people have ever seen in their life? A lot of people can't comprehend what a near 800 pound deadlift feels like or, or what it looks like or anything, you know? Sure. So there was a person in the gym that day and they're on their phone the whole time. And I, I was like, I told them, I'm like, get off your phone. To me, that's negativity. You know what I mean? If you're with your family and you're on your phone, then you're just bringing this negative energy to them, you know, because you're not paying attention. You're not involved in the community that you're with. You're distancing yourself. It was affecting me. Like, I was feeling like this. I was, like, getting angry about it because I'm like, you're, you're taking my mind out of my positive thinking because you're sitting on your phone. And I'm like, why isn't this person that's in this gym supporting what we're doing? Right. So I like, I ended up like losing it. I, I kicked them out for that day. You know, we, we had to talk afterwards, but like, I can't, you can't have that. Yeah. I think I know the answer to this, but when you lost it on him, was that coming from a very genuine, like, were you really, really heated at this person or were you making an example? No, I was, I was upset. I was upset. And you know what? It wasn't even like so much anger. It was more disappointment. Right. Well, yeah, cause you, you know, I mean, you, because, you like, built this team, you built this environment, this like thing that, you know, that sounds like an awesome team of people with a very positive mindset and yeah, to throw like a wrench into that, that would really piss yeah. me off too. Especially I'm sure a lot of other people in the gym were pissed, but especially you, you know, like you're the, the leader there. Like you're the one that, that, that gym's your baby. So it's like, dude, you're, you're messing some shit up here that I've built for so long. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're, yeah, and if you're, if somebody in the gym is going, you know, and not even the gym, I mean, in, in general, if you're, yeah. if you're going to do something, if you're going to do something special and then somebody's just like on their phone, not caring about it, then you don't need that person around you. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? You need people that are going to support you. Yeah. Like, I don't need people that just think I lift weight around me because they don't understand what I go through. Yeah. You know, like, I'm I'm blessed to have my family who understands it and you know my entire family watches online when I go to the big meets and stuff like that and compete you know I'm I'm blessed and but I I mean there's times when I have to tell them like you know they're like oh just be careful this and I'm like don't tell me that oh, like I, I don't need that. that negativity yeah yep. I hate that and you I don't know who need that negativity I love my mom so much but she always does that to me I'm like don't do that yep. you know like even if it's something like, oh, yeah, I got a hockey game tonight. Or, oh, I'm going snowboarding. It's like, oh, don't, don't get hurt. It's like, ah, oh, <laughs> why'd you say yeah. that? <laughs> like, yeah, but, you know, in, in those little things, it can snowball into more negative thoughts. Yeah. Because it's, it's, obvi it's obviously know, coming. Mean good. Of course. That's what I was going to say. It's obviously coming from a place of love, and, and they don't want you to get hurt. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, my family members are like, oh, we worry about you with, the, with those weights you lift. 
I'm like, yeah, but this is what I do. Right. <laughs> like, right. That's what I, that's my, that's my words always. That's what, that's my line I always use. This is what I do. <laughs> and like Every time I get afraid or something like that. Nope. This is what I do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I've, I've been injured quite a bit. So that's probably why my mom says that, but I, <laughs> but I have to imagine, you know, just the thought of powerlifting for me scares me. I've stopped squatting because of my, my knees. And I think I just never really had the right mechanics, which is probably yep. what, you know, really left me to having injuries. And, uh, I mean, I, I've been able to now kind of maneuver around like kind of navigate the gym and finding what doesn't hurt me anymore, at least with my mechanics and without the proper coaching and training, you know, cause I'm just, let me, let me, let me play off that real quick while, you, yeah. while we're here with that. Yeah. So if you came to my gym, right. And you told me that, and I would show you the proper way to do it where you wouldn't hurt. Right. Yeah. So if I could get you squatting again and say, you know, say we work up eventually and you get to like 315. Now, how, what is that going to do for your confidence? It's going to, it's going to, your confidence is going to go through the roof. Right. And everything. Because you, you overcame this thing that you thought you couldn't do anymore. Yeah. And to me, that's a big part of it. I mean, I've had, you know, normal, normal, the general population, you know, like just trying to stay healthy. And you'd be surprised how much it means to somebody to be able to do a pull-up, just one. Yeah. I never thought I could do that. Oh, it's and huge. And then they have this new confidence. Absolutely. So it's, uh, yeah, it's very empowering to feel something like that. It just like you conquer. Yeah, something. especially when you, when you find the right person to help you with that too. That's a big thing too. And It's huge. You know, like in my industry, there's a lot of, there's a lot of bad stuff. You know, there's a lot of people that just work out for a year and get a weekend certification, you know, and then there's this whole fear, you know, everybody, everybody's always afraid of everything. Like you said, like even what you just said about squatting, I hear almost every day you know, yeah. saying, Oh, it's bad for your knees. Oh, you're, they tell me there, they tell me all the time. People, people, Oh, you're going to be crippled when you're older <laughs> from what you're doing. You're going to be hurt. I'm like, the only time I've actually like, I've never been like truly injured by lifting. I like, I've pulled a hamstring. I strained a little intercostal tissue in my rib, but like, Every time I've I've messed I've done that was like messing around. I've never hurt my back. I've never hurt my knees. I, I still do box jumps constantly, and I'm 320 pounds. Yeah. You know that's like part of my warm up. People they tell you these things, and they put this in your head of like, you know, everybody thinks, oh, you're gonna get hurt. You're gonna get hurt. If you find the right person to lead you to do things, then you'll be able to do whatever you want. Yeah. You just got to get out of your head of like the fear of, of, Oh, I'm going to hurt myself. I'm going to get hurt doing this. I'm going to get hurt doing this. No, yeah. you're not going to get hurt. Just go do it. Right. That fear can be really crippling. And, um, yep. I remember, uh, I used to snowboard a lot and it was the same thing. It was just when I literally just didn't have a thought in my head, I'd, I'd have the best runs, just no thought. And then like, there were times where like, Oh, don't do this jump. Like this is, you're going to get hurt. And anytime you think that, you probably shouldn't if you're thinking that really, you know, like if it's like, yeah, all right, yeah. like get away from it because it's not that you will get hurt because you can't do it. You're just thinking that now and you just screwed yourself. You mentioned something before we started recording about like on the podcast, like, oh, we can do a practice run with some questions and stuff. If I do that, I'm going to overthink everything. Right. And then I'm going to try to like, you know what I'm saying? So I was like, you know what, let's, let me just, you know, let's just catch up a little bit with each other and talk about some things and then we'll just get rolling. 
Yeah. You know, I'm not going to sit and overthink things. Sure. Well, yeah. I mean, overthinking things and speaking of this podcast, I I wanted to do it for like a year and I wasn't doing it, you know, and especially once this, uh, you know, the pandemic set in, I'm like, well, I got some, some time here. Um, I was still working, but like, you know, I didn't have many other curricular activities going on. Everything was closed. Yeah. Well, if you don't do it now, dude, you know, like, it's like, yep. come, like get over You're it. You're never going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, there, there's some people that I knew that I could reach out to like, like you, I was like, man, he'd be the perfect guest for this. Like, I know he'd have some awesome knowledge, wisdom, experience, things to share. And I was like, yeah, like, come on, like you got to do it. It was fear that was stopping me that whole time for sure. And if I would have just jumped into it when I first had the idea, like I could be, you know, a hundred episodes in right now. Yeah. I mean, I told, you know, I told a bunch of my clients and I told my, like my family, like that I was going to do this. And they're all like, finally, I'm like, what? Finally, what? They're like, you need to share your knowledge. They're like, You're so knowledgeable. And they're like, you've been through so much stuff, like with your career and powerlifting. Not a lot of people have the story you have with this kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, so, you know, it's also, you know, I'm very hard on myself. So I'm always, instead of looking at what I do know, I'm always looking at what, looking for what I can do to be better. You right. know, so sometimes I'm kind of hard on myself with that kind of stuff. You know, that's another thing too. Sometimes I got to take a step back and, uh, and look at what yeah. you've accomplished. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm also sure that it, it's, it's why you are where you are. It's why you've had the success. It's why you've been, and I think you told me you were ranked fourth in the country at one point. Right. And yeah. you, like, I mean, last year, yeah. Yeah. So like, being hard on yourself, you, you do have to sometimes take a step back for sure. But I'm sure that aspect of your personality is what got you to where you are. If you're not hard on yourself at times, like, you know, maybe you would have phoned it in way before you could have got to fourth in the nation, you know? Yeah. You can never be satisfied or uh, complacent. You got to keep moving forward. That's it. Yeah. You know, I've caught myself even in business. I've had to take a step back. I'm like, wait a minute. You know, we're kind of in a rut here let's change something up and let's push forward. You know, and I've had to do that many times. Yeah. It's you scary, can't just though. get caught in it though. Yeah. What was that? Well, I was going to say, which is, I'm sure a scary thing, changing things, you know, it's like, yeah, it's terrifying. But yeah. to me being stuck in a rut is even more terrifying. That's way scary. Yeah. I embrace failure, but I'm terrified of it. You know, yeah. if I fail, I'm going to come back even stronger. Right. Right. The scariest thing for me is three years from now, I'm in the exact same position in life. Nothing, I haven't yeah. learned, I haven't improved, I haven't, that's terrifying to me. Now, you know, the example I just said was three years. I mean, imagine 10, imagine, imagine 20. And a lot of people do get stuck in those, those types of ruts and those patterns. I tend to believe a lot of the times it's not really any fault of their own. You know, like they, they need, uh, you know, they, they might be missing some kind of, companionship or really like a coach like you, you know, like, yep. like I'm sure you could really help someone like that. So I, I try not to be so critical of people who are stuck in that and see them as this, you know, negative person. It's like, ah, like they're, they're just missing something, you know, cause I, I feel like I've been there at times and I would, for whatever reason, if it's the support I have from family and friends and my wife and, you know, it, it helps me to get out of it. Some people just don't have that. Again, I found myself blessed with my family. You know, I watched my dad growing up. You know, my dad started living in a trailer, and now he's a millionaire. And he stayed. He's the, the nicest person on earth to everybody. Treats everybody with respect. 
is the president of his company and everybody loves working for him. You know, he, he didn't let it go to his head. And, but he's the one that taught me, like, you cannot, you can't sit still. You yeah. have to keep going and keep doing stuff. Every time I succeed in business, when I tell him, so, Hey dad, you know, I got, I got this whole football team in there now. He goes, okay, good. That's great. When are you going to do this now? And right. I'm like, you know what? You're right. He just wants to push me forward. It's that constant push. And I mean, you know, I look up to him with his story and everything else. And, you know, he's taught me a lot with, especially with business. Oh my God, you know, I'm a, I was a strength coach, not a businessman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole other, other skill, a whole other world that's very intimidating yep. for people. And it's tough to navigate if you don't really know you know, what you're doing. And, and it's, it's very scary for people, but that's huge. I mean, look, that's probably where you've gotten a lot of your ability to coach, right? Like your dad was, has been coaching you, right? So you've been able to get yeah, my dad and then my, my grandfather was always, everybody called him coach, you know? Yeah. <laughs> he was that's always awesome. that. And it's the same thing with him. It's like, he was always tough on me and shit. <laughs> till the day he died, he was making fun of me for crying one time after a baseball game when I was like seven <laughs> years old. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but I think about that, you know what I mean? I'm like, you know, if I, if I have a bad competition, I'm not going to go cry about it. I'm going to just, I'm going to work harder and be better the next time. Yeah. If I fail in business, I'm going to work harder the next time to, to make sure it doesn't happen again. And I right. think that's where people go wrong in life is like they, they let their failures dictate their life instead of overcoming them. Yeah, I've done it before and uh, I cringe at it when I think about it now. And I, I kind of use that as a motivation to, to not let it happen again. Well, man, yeah, we've been talking for a while here and I really, really appreciate <laughs> it. And uh, I'd love to have you on again at some point. Um, I had so many other questions that I wanted to ask, but I don't want to keep you here for five hours. Um, but there, there are a couple, yeah, yeah, I really appreciate it. There are a couple questions that I, I'm going to close with on a, a lot of my guests, if not, if not all of them that I'd like to get to. And one of them is, is there a book documentary, a movie, like any type of media, something like that, that you would recommend? And it doesn't have to be completely related to what we just discussed, or it could be exactly related to it. Just anything that, that you would recommend. Um, uh, I'd say, I mean, like I touched earlier, I talked about the, uh, the Nick Saban and Kobe Bryant sit down yeah. at Alabama. I think everybody should watch that. Yeah. And listen to what he says to the team because he also talked about editing the bad things out of your life. You know, sit down and, and figure out what you need to edit out of your life. It, it's such a great, great talk. I mean, I think the Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance, I think if you really look at what he talks about with his mindset, I think it was episode seven when he started crying at the end and he yeah. had to cut the interview because people were getting on him about being too competitive and too like compat. Like he wanted to win so bad that when people insulted him because of that, it made him emotional. Yeah. I, 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 that's incredible. And, and, you know, a lot of people won't understand that, but people need, need to try to understand what that is. Cause that's true passion about something. Yeah. And I, and I listen to uh, Eric Thomas. I listen to him a lot. The, the hip-hop preacher. He's a motivational speaker. Oh, okay. I, yeah, I yeah. love Eric Thomas. Are I you, love Eric Thomas. Is that uh, YouTube? Yeah, he's, I think he, he's all over everything. I think he's okay. even on Spotify. Oh, okay. Cool. I'll check that yeah, out. Yeah, he's got a lot of great stuff. Yeah, and um, last question. It's a two-part question. 
if you could press pause in the world, learn one new skill or trade that you currently don't have, uh, what would that be? Uh, one trade that I, I don't know. I always, I always wanted to be a motivational speaker, honestly. It's something I've always wanted to do. It terrifies me to, right. to think about getting up and talking to people like that. But as I've done things like this, I've realized that I think from my perspective, I, you know, I can, I can really change a lot of people's lives with what I've been through and what I've learned and everything else. So yeah. I think that's something I would love to learn to do one day. It's like get up and, and speak like that. Yeah. Remove that hypothetical of pausing the world. Like let's say you are going to do that and knowing everything you know of how you've progressed in, in, powerlifting and in your career and work what does that look like let's say you were going to do it in a year what do you think that looks like how would would you regiment an entire routine practice it start small what's that look like do you think i would start right now researching i would research how to do it i'd probably reach out to some speakers and see you know and figure out how they did it you know you got to come up with a plan plan yeah. of action you can't just be like oh i'm gonna go to school for this because school's important, but it, it doesn't make you great at what you do. You make yourself great. So you've got to go find people that are great that can teach you the path. Because I, I mean, I, could, I tell you right now, I have no idea how, like, what, what that would entail to get there. Sure. But if I was going to look for it, I'd go research it and I'd, I'd reach out to people. I, but I'd reach out to the best people. I wouldn't just take, oh, you're a motivational speaker? Okay, let me talk to you. No. I'm reaching out to the people that, that have made it, that are successful. Because that, that's where I want to be. So yeah. I'm going to reach to be the best at that too. Not just right. mediocre. I, you know, I don't like average. Urban Meyer used to say we don't coach average. I love that. <laughs> well, yeah, hopefully, Ken, in, uh, maybe in like a few years, you'll be doing that. You'll be giving these motivational talks. I'll be there, man. <laughs> you'll be motivating yeah. me. We'll see. We'll see. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, again, man, thank you so much for doing this. And uh, like I said, I'd love to do it at some point uh, in the future again. And there's so much more I know that we could have went over. Um, there's so much more that you could share. So, uh, but thanks for your time. Yeah, and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll talk soon, man. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate All right, it. Bud. Bye. Bye.